This is the Bad Hops Podcast, a baseball podcast where we discuss everything but the box score. So if you're looking for Pete Rose's career anything, or the 2017 Houston Astros actual wins, this is not the place. But if you're ready to focus on scofflaws, cheats, and scallywags, welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Butler. And I'm Jackie Micucci. And today we are getting the band back together. Welcome to Bad Hops. Mark, or have you been banned? Are you banned? Or or I think or I hope our podcast doesn't get banned. I'm just like James Spader. I'm blacklisted. Blacklist. Oh, the blacklist. <laughs> Everybody's favorite TV show. I've never actually seen the series. I've overheard it, but that's that's a another story. Yeah, I, I've never seen it either. Of course, it takes the smallest thing to set me off. When I learned that the character's name is Red Reddington, I'm like, that I can't do this. I can't. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Actually, you know, I think I'm usually on Santa's nice list. It's like, I know you, you sometimes angle to get on the naughty list, but you've never been banned or have you been banned? Have you been 86? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've been 86 or banned. I I mean, I've, I've never been escorted out. I I think I'm generally a rule follower. So, I mean, I tend to be more of a good citizen. I mean, I can rob people the wrong way, but not enough where I am told that I cannot return. So okay. as you as you can maybe able to tell here, we're we're going to talk about bands in baseball and not bands with a D, but bands with an NS, because you know, when I even when I was doing my research and Googling this, I would get asked by the Google machine, do you mean bands? Baseball bands? I'm like, no, I don't mean baseball bands. <laughs> so sorry. If you're listening, sorry, Scott Spezio and Black Jack McDowell. We're not talking about you today, except, well, now we are. (laughs) Now we are. There we go. And that, you know, that's for another episode. If we want to dive deep into the the strumming sounds of Bernie Williams' guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The smooth jazz of Bernie Williams. Yeah, we we will do bands. My my enunciation is not going to meet the challenge tonight. But, yes, musicians in baseball, I think, is another term for it. Yep. But yeah, we're talking bands tonight. We kind of set a rule. I already said his name in the intro, but everybody, when they talk about bands in baseball, it's like talking about Pete Rose, a guy who is banned from baseball, but sure seems to have a lot of baseball-related activities for a guy that's banned from, from the game. He does seem to appear in a lot of places, too. I feel like we did. I mean, Pete Rose is around a lot. So he may be officially banned from baseball, but he is, you can see his mug in a lot of places. And his bowl cut. Okay. And you know what? Once you, once you have a classic style, like a bowl cut, I mean, why would you do anything else, really? It's 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 timeless. Costs $5. <laughs> Costs $5. Want my autographs, $200. But uh, haircut, haircut's only 5 So I'm getting a deal. Pete's getting a deal. It's enough talking about Pete Rose. We're going to... He's not the only person that's been banned in baseball. And so we're going to focus on on some of the other more interesting people. We've got some players that have been banned for life. I've got a scandal that almost tore apart an entire league. And then we're going to talk about that fans can be banned from the mm-hmm. game as well. So we'll dig into some of that. We've got some good stuff. 
Jackie, I think one order of business that we should focus on today, just to make sure everybody understands, mm -hmm. there are different levels of penalties that people can uh, face. There's ejections, there's suspensions, mm -hmm. and then there's bans. Why don't we talk about those a little bit? Let's start with ejections. Ejections are very common, and that's when someone is removed from a game, almost always by an umpire. Actually, not sure if there are other ways. It, it would be the umpire's choice. Yeah, I, I don't know anyone else who can eject a, a player from the game, right? It would have to be. Have umpires ejected fans in the stands? I feel like that's probably happened. I bet it has, and I'm guessing that that's a transfer of authority that they probably motion to an usher or somebody mm -hmm. to, to have. But yeah, if somebody's throwing stuff on the field or generally disrupting the game, I, I, I would think that the umpire would have the ability to at least put in the the heave-ho order to, to someone else. And of course, the ballpark management would be happy to get rid of those folks. But yeah, it's it's usually, well, who is it usually? It's usually managers. Because managers are the ones that shouldn't be on the field at any time, but then they come out to argue a point. Maybe he was safe. How you know? How could you say that he did? Blah blah blah. Your and, strike zone sucks. There's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and so you can get ejected from a game just for beefing. My boy Lou Pinella. He was your boy too. He was a Yankee was. at one point. But man, to Lou Pinella, we don't talk about Lou Pinella enough. But he was a hothead, adorable hothead. And he would take his hat off and throw it on the ground. He would take his jacket off and throw it on the ground. He picked up a base once and threw that mm -hmm. back on the ground. Umpires generally could tell when it was time to kick Lou out of a game. And, and they would do so. Now, an ejection is not permanent, right? It's only, it's a, it's a, basically, it's a partial game suspension. You're kicked out of a game that you are actively managing or playing exactly it happens in the heat of the moment usually as you said a manager and then you are told to get off the field or maybe you come back with a mustache and glasses and <laughs> surely that's <laughs> never happened only on yeah. valentine's day there you go good old bobby valentine haven't heard about him hope he's doing okay I hope he's doing okay too. I i miss his colorful tails and weird behavior and his dumb mustache too yeah Ejections generally don't turn into suspensions. I suppose if you actually get up in the grill of an umpire, or I, I think touching an umpire is the the line that gets crossed. But uh, generally, an ejection is go cool off, go away, leave the game. A suspension generally is a much more serious infraction. The biggest one I can think of is... If you're found that you've tested positive for performance enhancing drugs, you can get a 50 day suspension. Or I think there's one that's even much larger. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also a lot more, there's a, a number of ticky tack suspensions as well. Lot, right? but, and there's also sticky stuff suspensions. Oh, too. yeah. Ticky tack, sticky stuff. Yeah. It's nursery school like all the time in baseball, honestly. It really is, actually. Really. So, is. yes, you can be suspended for a couple games if you did something wrong, if you did put sticky stuff on the ball and were, were affecting the spin rate, or just perceived to be cheating, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's the PEDs. That's the whopper of suspensions. That's the one that you might end up missing. I think, is, is there a season long one or there's one that's there comparable might be. to a season long? I feel like there was. I, I don't know if it was um, 
A-Rod or Robbie Cano, someone got suspended for a season, if not close to a season. So I think, yeah, I think they're, they're pretty hefty now. The PED ones are very, very hefty. And then a ban, that's the nuclear option. And those are pretty rare. Pete Rose and, you know, some other people. And some but other you, people. You generally have to have... It has to be a scandal, right? Like, there's usually yes. a scandal. Yes. I think your behavior has to almost border on criminal to yes. to get to that. It's generally... Well, it's generally cheating, and it's generally gambling-related. Um, I suppose there are maybe some some PED or substance abuse type penalties, but I, I think it's generally gambling, corrupting the integrity of the game. Yeah. But those, think, the, those bans are, can, can be up to lifetime bans. Sometimes they're forgiven and many times they're not. Yeah. Most of the bans that I came across for people in the game were for gambling, game fixing, that kind of thing. There um, was one lifetime ban for PEDs for, I think, a, uh, Mejia was his name. He was a pitcher for the for the Mets, and he, he got caught three times in one season using PEDs. And to me, like that's a that's an intelligence tense dude. So he's banned from he he now plays in the Mexican League, but he was banned from the MLB. Another sad Mets story to go with Another, many other sad Mets stories. Mets got to be Metsin. Jackie, before we dig deep into the main topic, I promise this will end in a suspension. Not of me, maybe, maybe you maybe can always I'm you can always kick you. me out of the chat, uh, and we'll see what happens. But happy anniversary! Today is the thirtieth anniversary uh, of the day we're recording on June twenty seventh. Uh, it's the thirtieth anniversary of the sausage races in Milwaukee. Oh. Look at that. One of my favorite things, one of the things that truly makes me happy about baseball is when grown men and women and sometimes kids get dressed up in giant foam sausage outfits and race around the ballpark in Milwaukee. But in 2003, Randall Simon of the Pittsburgh Pirates decided to get in on the action and he took a swing at the Italian sausage with his baseball bat and he knocked down the young woman who was racing. He was actually pulled off the field by the sheriff. So, I okay. Because it's assault. It is assault. You hit someone yes. with a baseball bat. And, and, and you know, so does that technically count as an ejection or is that just an arrest? Uh, <laughs> but, but we were just oh. talking, can, can someone else besides an umpire? Apparently a sheriff can come take somebody out of a game, too. <laughs> he was taken to the sheriff's office, arrested, and booked for misdemeanor battery. The charge was later dropped. It's kind of a sweet story because he was clearly goofing around and the woman that was tripped and fell said that he was very sweet and very contrite and they actually became friends. thought that was kind of amazing. But uh, ultimately, Randall Simon was suspended by MLB for three games. So tripping a mascot with a baseball bat, if that helps you understand the scale and scope of suspensions, being mean to a mascot can get you three days suspension. So just imagine if you do something that's grievous uh, uh, in nature. But anyway, happy anniversary to the racing sausages. I can't wait to put you on a bun and eat you. <laughs> Slather you with mustard and have you for dinner. Well, Mark, should we take a break and then get into it? Let's do it. All See right. you soon. Jackie, we've been talking about Pete Rose all night, and we're going to stop talking about him because you have some other players that were banned for life, and you you gave me a little hint about what era they come from. 
And I now I just I can't think of anything but the olden days. So I would love to hear what you've got for us. Okay. Well, originally, Mark, I was going to come up with a list of players that were not involved in the Black Sox scandal and or and or Pete Rose who have been banned from baseball. But as I was doing my research, I came across this particular case, which involves the 1910 batting title. And honestly, this could be its own episode. I will list my sources afterwards because there are some great titles of of articles and I don't want to give it away all at the jump. So this would be from a newspaper that only costs two pennies, I hope. Exactly. For sure, it would be. Although, you know, some of them are the but they're on the interwebs now. Um, So I am talking about two players who at the time were a uh, player manager. Yes. Uh, <laughs> another callback. Another callback and a coach. I am talking about who else? And you're going to remember these guys, Jack O'Connor and Harry Howell. They got banned. You remember oh, them? Oh, those son of a guns. <laughs> I don't right. get me started on them because if I got started on them, I couldn't tell you anything about them. Thank God you're here. That's right. So before the Black Sox scandal, there was another game fixing, well, not really a game, well, not really a game fixing attempt. It was more of a an attempt to skew some numbers in the batting title of that year, which was 1910. It came about, and as I get into it, because I've done a lot of exhaustive research, and as we 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 get in into this, this, this basically this this whole thing came about out of spite. Why? Because it involved one Ty Cobbs. And we all know how much, how many people love Ty Cobbs. He was a warm and cuddly figure. A so they really, what, he was a peach and he was the Georgia peach. And interesting enough, player manager, Jack O'Connor, his nickname was peach pie, believe it or not, when he was a player. Peach pie. Peach well, pie. That's, that's better than just a plain old peach. I think so. So you maybe get the, the brown sugar, you get the the crust. Yeah, I already like him better than like Ty Cobb. Although I don't like Ty Cobb at all. No, no, nobody did, and, and neither did did uh, O'Connor or Howell. They were banned for attempting to fix the outcome of the 1910 American League batting title between Detroit's Ty Cobb and Cleveland's Napoleon Nap Lejoie. Ah, good old Nap. I love, good old nap. I love, a, I love okay. a good Nap. Nap, who is also called the Frenchman, who is also called Larry. I don't know why. So he had a number of nicknames. Larry is my personal favorite. Larry LaJoy. Larry LaJoy. Just a little bit about Ty Cobb to refresh anyone's memory who doesn't, you know, remember Ty Cobb. Great player, not so great person. According to Baseball, the Biographical Encyclopedia, Ty Cobb, the Georgia Peach was a man possessed. Every game, every play, and every at bat was a war to him. Probably no other athlete has ever matched Cobb's furious desire to excel. He was egotistical, brash, rude, thin skinned, a racist, and a bully. In short, he was a great player and a terrible person. And because of his unique personality, he was right in the middle of some of the game's noisiest controversies. I don't like any of that apart from noisy controversies. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now I, I had never heard of Nat Lajoie. Apparently he was a, he was an excellent player. Obviously he was in the, in the middle of the, in the midst of the, the, the batting title race that year. So a little bit about Nap. 
He was working as a teamster for City Lumber in Woonsocket, Massachusetts, where he was born. And at the time, he was 21 years old. He was making $750 a week in 1895, which is probably not that bad. $7.50 a week, $1895. Especially in Woonsocket. I would think not. He was doing that when the Fall River Massachusetts team of the New England League fell short of player. LeJoie signed for $100 a month and played his first game on May 1st. Before long, word of his talent had spread and several big league clubs began bidding for him in 1896. When Philadelphia made an offer for his teammate, Phil Geyer, Fall River manager Charlie Marston asked for $1,500 and the Phillies refused. Marston then offered to include Knapp in the deal, and the trade was made. So he was quickly promoted to the majors, and he was an excellent player. So that's a little background about about Knapp. So he was he was you know we not as familiar with him, not as familiar with him as Ty Cobb, but obviously competing for the batting title. I remember he was the real deal. Because you know I was like only what five years old back in nineteen ten. Uh, You're no, knee high to a grasshopper. He, he was on my Stratomatic baseball team in the 70s when, like, really? before there were computer simulated anything, you had a bunch of cards. And uh, I remember Nap Lejoie was just like a really weird name. I didn't, but uh, I was today years old when I learned that it was short for Napoleon. I know. I was a Napoleon. That's kind of, that's a lofty name, but apparently he lived up to it. And I guess based on that timing, it wouldn't have been awkward to name your kid after a failed military leader because p- perhaps Napoleon was still a uh, still a, a success story when uh, Nap was a baby. Probably, I mean, possibly. And he was also French Canadian. That you know, he had French Canadian roots. So maybe uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe that's something. Oui, oui. Maybe. Okay, back to the scandal. So going into the final days of the 1910 season, Cobb was the leader for the American League batting title. He had an average of 384. Could you imagine having a three, anyone having a 384 batting average? Well, he's no Luis Arias, but that's uh, I'm, Fair, I'm also that's not, not, not going to criticize 384. That's pretty damn good. For sure. And meanwhile, Knapp sat at 378. Okay. So now one of the reasons that this batting title was a big deal is that the prize for the winner of the title was a car. The Chalmers, I think I'm saying that, or Chalmers, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, because it's a G-Funk car company, Chalmers 30. And it's described as, okay, so this is 1910, remember? So this is this is like a top-line car. It's described as a, has a four-cylinder engine, 30-plus horsepower, an exquisite exterior with plush vinyl upholstery on the inside. <laughs> right, plush vinyl. <laughs> yes. Protected by a retractable top. Excellent for touring. So this was the dangling carrot on top of everything else besides bragging rights. Okay, not not unlike the Chevy truck that sits uh, on on mm-hmm. top of the outfield fence in Detroit today. I don't think players get to win that one, but sure, there's a, a little skin in the game, I guess, is what that is. For sure, and I think players still win cars, right? There's still, I think, MVPs get like for. Uh, oh yes, uh, that's that is true. Because I definitely have seen that. So, but anyway, so this, but this was like this was a big drawing factor for uh, especially Cobb. Cobb, now it's the, towards the end of the season, right? So he's well, he wants to keep that three eighty eight batting average. Well, he's and what now, do you, what do you what do you do in the, that situation? You he 
park your butt a lot of the time. Exactly. So Cobb set out the final two games of the season claiming he had an eye ailment. His eyes were bothering him. So he couldn't possibly <laughs> play the last two games. Okay. On the other hand, good old Napoleon's Cleveland team was on the road visiting the St. Louis Browns to play a doubleheader. Now, he knew his chances were slim, but his approach was to take it one at bat at a time. Plus, the Browns were absolutely abysmal. They were in dead last place, and they ended up finishing that season at a lovely 47 wins and 107 losses. Ah, the Oakland of their day. Oh, yeah. They were a bad, bad team. Now, according to the Lowell Sun, O'Connor, who was the player manager now, he instructed his rookie third baseman, Red Corridan, to back up and play deep to protect himself from injury because Knapp could really mash the ball. So he wanted him to play back because he didn't want him to get hurt. He wow. said, he'll tear your head off with line drives. Wow. Yes. So he basically configured his infielder to make it a lot easier for old Nap. Nap ended up hitting safely eight times during the doubleheader, which was played at St. Louis's Sportsman's Park. Five out of those hits were bunt singles. Why? Because the <laughs> third baseman was basically in the in outfield. Left field, yeah. yeah, he was in left field. On his sixth and last at bat, Knapp reached base on a fielding error, officially giving him a hitless at bat that would lower his average. However, O'Connor and Hal, who was the, the coach, one of the coaches, tried to bribe the official scorer, sports writer Evie Parrish. Hal offered to buy him a new suit of clothes to change the, the call. So like, I'll, I'll get you a new suit, dude, if you, if you just, you know, just change it, change it. Parrish refused. And the box score for the day remained. Nap had gone eight for nine, which, by the way, is incredible. He went eight for uh, nine. Unbelievable. I mean, right? Yeah. But it was not enough for him to win the title. By the way, I just want to tell you, as I was doing my research and I was looking up who the official scorer was, there was one website, I will not give its name because there was a lot of inaccuracies on it. It said that the official scorer was a woman. And I guess because the guy was offered clothes, he was like, oh, it must be a woman because who else would be swayed by new new clothing, a new wardrobe? Wow. Men like okay. clothes too, you know. Like a new suit was probably very expensive back then, at least 50 cents. I know in previous episodes, we have talked about the incentive of winning a suit. The last time I bought a suit, it was more than I cared to pay for something that I don't like wearing. So, yeah, I guess I would take a free suit as long as it wasn't like a garbagey free baseball game giveaway suit. Right. Like hit, hit, hit sign, win suit. So. Yeah. so why did the two men do it? Right. There was no incentive for them. Like there wasn't they weren't they weren't betting against their team. Their team was abysmal basically spite like they did not like ty cobb and nobody really liked ty cobb and he was mean and nasty and meanwhile nap was very beloved by both his teammates and his colleagues so okay. they just didn't want to see ty cobb win because there was nothing nothing really in it for them so they weren't betting on the title they were no. they, this was a spite fix this this was i love this this was purely for spite oh my just god for jackie spite. this sounds like something you and i would do it does 
does, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> so what, what you and I would do. Now, gosh, what, what can we do? I'm, wow, I'm, I'm I don't know. I, and mind, during my research, wanders. <laughs> yeah, during my research, I'm like, was there any type of incentive? Like I was trying to see did O'Connor or Hal have some type of like run in with Cobb at some point, And maybe they did. If they did, it wasn't in anything I found. It was mainly because I just didn't like him. He was a, he was a son of a bitch. Jeepers. I don't like Ty Cobb either. I guess I, if I couldn't get busted for doing something, I would do so. And honestly, it would almost be worth getting caught just thinking, why would you have done this? It's like, I just don't like Ty Cobb. I don't like Ty Cobb. Oh, you know, that's okay. It's like, oh, so, well, so that if, if you had just come to us first and said that, we would have helped you. <laughs> like it just should have just come up front about it. you don't need to bribe the score anyway there's a court case around this too i won't get into it it's very long there's a lot of information like we literally could have done an entire episode about this so brown's owner robert hedges fired both o'connor and hal and then both men were informally banned from baseball for life because there was technically no um commissioner's office at that point and because there was no baseball commissioner at that time, the AL president, whose name is Ban Johnson. Ban Johnson, which is a throwback to a very recent episode. That's right. He arbitrated the situation and he declared Cobb the rightful owner of the title. But car company president Hugh Chalmers chose, the, chose to award a car to both Cobb and LeJoie. And interesting enough, interestingly enough, it was later discovered in the 1970s, they crunched some numbers, did some math, looked cl more closely at them, that one game had been counted twice, so Cobb actually didn't win uh, the batting title. He was awarded the batting title, but he his numbers had been fixed as well. That's amazing. But when you think about, like, of course, now you're listening to a broadcast and it's like, let's go to the truck. We'll talk to the statistician. And they're crunching numbers with the hundred years yeah. of data and coming up with instant results. In those days, batting averages were calculated by hand. Yeah. Maybe on an adding machine, maybe with like a, a ledger of some sort, but the, there was no refreshing spreadsheet that could be used. So yeah, I I think you could probably go back and make any number of cases for neck and neck races. Maybe it didn't come out the way you thought it did. Here's to Nap Lejoie. Lejoie. I have to say it the French way, Nap Lejoie. Anyway, let me just name my sources. They have great titles. One of my sources is The Strange Case of the Courts, a Car in the 1910 Batting Title by Stephen Geitscher. There's a patch.com um, article laying down for Napoleon, how Ty Cobb truly lost the 1910 batting championship by Sandy uh, Thanoff. And on the website, The Great Game, there's a story that's called 1910, A Carload of Trouble. So that's why I didn't want to give you my sources, because it pretty much gave, gave away what oh, was yeah. going on. Tip in your pitches. <laughs> exactly. But those are, and there's a ton more. I'm sure there must be, and like, there's probably a book about it as well. I didn't, I didn't go that far, but yeah. Good old Jack O'Connor and Harry Howell doing the Lord's work to make sure Ty Cobbs was going to lose the batting title. Oh, a spite fix. This is, this has made me happier than, than almost than the racing sausages. I love it. Well, thank you, Jackie. Uh, let's take a little break and we'll come back and we will talk about a massive scandal. 
All right, Mark, it's very black. It's very dark. The mist is coming in. You've got some scandals you want to talk about, some bands, some scandals and bands and mist and darkness. Let us let the darkness fall upon us because this is the dark period for baseball. And I'm guessing many of you have never heard of this one. See, when there's a black mist, there are a lot of bands. Now, a lot of bands that we've talked about target individuals. Most times, apart from the Black Sox, you might see a couple of guys, like you mentioned in the, the batting race story, but it's generally individuals. But every so often, there's a deeper scandal that involves a bunch of individuals. Of course, you know that I'm going to go back in time, and I'm actually sort of happy there's not been a scandal of this scope for quite some time. So let me polish my monocle and set my pocket watch on airplane mode and tell you about something. I'm not going to talk about the Black Sox. We had a an agreement coming into this episode. There are so many wonderful stories about the Chicago White Sox, Black Sox scandal of 1919. You can go watch Eight Men Out with John Cusack if that's really your jam, or you can, there are any number of great books and other podcasts and things like that. I'm going to talk about something different. Usually at this point, when I say 1919, you're like, well, that's too recent. Usually I would, but I went back to 1910, so you didn't outdo me this time. But I also just want to say I'm not going to talk about the scandal that rocked the Syracuse adjudicators back in 1872. I need an adjudicator's jersey. Yeah, when they put halfpenny nails in the bases to give their opponents tetanus, because uh, that scandal was so outrageous that you, tetanus? yeah, you can go online and search the Syracuse adjudicators, you won't find anything. It's been erased, it's totally been eighty six because it's almost as if it never happened. It's almost <laughs> as if somebody just made it up. <laughs> this is a, a weird one for me because I'm I'm going out of my comfort zone and going into almost modern times. And it really started with an innocent question. What does it take to get banned in Japanese baseball? We know the simple path to bans in MLB. We've already talked about them. Gambling, performance-enhancing drugs, etc. You won't be surprised that it's a similar path to ending your career in Japan, too. I dug into a major mess that went from corruption to criminal, and it rocked the country in the early 70s. The Black Mist Scandal. Hmm. I do, just to put this in perspective, I do have to talk about the Chicago Black Sox for just a minute. Major League Baseball was rocked in 1919 when it was discovered that multiple White Sox players had conspired to fix games. The notorious eight men out were banned from baseball for life. That's pretty bad stuff. That stuff can ruin a team. It can ruin the league. It can ruin the game. Say it ain't so. Let's do a little face-off here in the league corruption series, though, because I want to talk about the Chicago Black Sox versus the Nihon Black Mist. I'll let you decide. The best nickname? Shoeless Joe Jackson, the Scourge and former star of the Sox, versus Poker Face Kato of the Lions. I actually don't want to disparage Mr. Kato because he was one of the good guys that took advantage of, let's just say, a lot of job openings that came to the Lions after the scandal ended his name popped up, and I just love the fact that there was a Japanese pitcher named Poker Face. <laughs> if he's a Poker Face, I mean, I can't. Yeah. There's like, like no emotion. He's probably like basically like old Stone Face. Well, who do you think has the best nickname? Poker you know, Face or, or uh, Shoeless? Oh, uh, Poker Face or Shoeless? 
I, I feel like Poker Face has been used a lot, so I'm still going to go with Shoeless Joe, but I think Black Mist, it's, I mean, it sounds like an 80s band, so. Let's talk about the best muscle. Now, who would you say, so in the Black Sox scandal, it actually was a group of Boston-based bookies, but in the Black Mist scandal, it involved the actual Yakuza. Ooh. So I think I got to vote for the Yakuza on this I one. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a no-brainer, the Yakuza every time number of lifetime bands that came out of a scandal this is where i gotta hand it to the black Sox. eight lifetime bands versus six in the black mist scandal but there were more than bands there were suspensions and there were warnings also in terms of overall bands it's the the black Sox. how about numbers of arrests and jail time shockingly oh. in the black Sox scandal only joe jackson was arrested and that was an overnight stint for perjury so that was lying during the trial it was not actually related to the fixing of games. Many more players in the Black Mist scandal actually went to jail. So let's get into this story. In 1969, it was discovered that Masayuki Nagayasu, a star pitcher for the Lions, the Nishitetsu Lions at the time, this pitcher had been involved in fixing games. But let's give credit to the Lions ownership for discovering this themselves. It wasn't uncovered by the league or by a newspaper. The team found out and they reported it to the Pacific League. This was in October of 1969, so the season was effectively over. By November, the league had banned Nagayasu for life. Scandal over? No. Jackie, what do rats do? They scurry from a sinking ship? Or is that what you were going for? Well, going I was going to go with more like crime rat. They uh, squeal. Oh, that kind of rat. Okay, That sorry. kind of rat. A dirty right. rat. Oh, a dirty rats. rat. All rats are dirty rats. Sorry, rats. Don't come at me. Please don't come at me. <laughs> yes. Nagayasu gave an interview in April 1970, and of course he sang. He implicated multiple teammates in this game-fixing scandal. Three pitchers, a catcher, and two infielders. So the scandal broadened and investigations started anew. Meanwhile, in flat track motorcycle racing, a sport where gambling was legal in Japan, multiple arrests were made uh, for people who were involved in fixing nose matches. Now, this is where it gets really weird and showing how deep the scandal is going within the sports community, not just baseball. Okay. Because th those arrests happen to include a pitcher from the Dragons and a pitcher from the Whales, the team that's now known as the Bay Stars. And another strong arm, Hirotaka Fujinawa. I mean, strong arm, because uh, Fujinawa was a member of the Yakuza. <laughs> okay. Clearly, there was a systematic problem in Japanese baseball and in the Japanese sports world overall. It was legal to bet on the motorcycle races. It was not legal to bet on baseball at all. By 1971, another wave of pitchers and one executive from other teams were also found to be involved in game fixing, and even more players were linked to the racing investigation. These two scandals did not exactly ever come to a head to say one person was masterminding it or mm -hmm. uh, and people weren't crossing over, but I think because there were baseball players involved in the motorcycle fixing and any number of people involved in the baseball fixing, I think that's why it's referred to as the Black Mist. It was everywhere. Right. It, it wasn't limited just in, in one area. It was enveloping. Even more players were linked to illegal gambling, not necessarily sports-related gambling. And two members of the Whales were investigated simply for Yakuza involvement. 
Oh, that's not good. Yeah. To me, that sounds like dating a Yakuza member, but uh, <laughs> this rot had gone deep. Although, honestly, it had probably been there for years, right? This doesn't just happen. It's like, oh, yeah. you caught me just as the nice guy in the black suit came to talk to me about this, that, and the other thing. So I'm guessing greed triggered the initial discovery, right? That's generally how these things fall apart is when mm-hmm. one guy starts asking for more or says, I'm not going to do it anymore unless you pay me more. I mean, when you involve that many people at some point, it's all just going to, it's going to collapse, right? Cause it's just way too many people doing nefarious things and people just, people sing. <laughs> yeah. And they trip over themselves, right? Yeah. So, well, speaking of lots of people, I know we promise everything but the box score, but I got to do some stats here. All right. Because ultimately, 20 players, 20, were found to be involved in some way here. Wow. And they uh, were they all on the same team, or was it just across the board? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Okay. So 20 players, one executive from the Buffaloes, who was implicated from back in his playing days, but it was possible that he was still involved as an exec, and then one coach. Six lifetime bans were issued, eight lengthy suspensions, and multiple warnings. And, oh, yeah, three arrests. I was not able to find out how long the jail terms were, but I don't think you go to jail in Japan for just a little bit. I think they're they're a crackdown kind of place. They are. The Lions were the team, and, and that's where Nagayasu was the star pitcher. They lost four pitchers to lifetime bans. So Nagayasu, of course, and then the three hurdlers that he implicated, 13 pitchers overall. And, I mean, that makes sense. If you're fixing games, mm-hmm. I would, if I was a mobster, I would talk to the pitchers, right? I mean, the pitchers, right, Those they're the easiest ones to, to uh, get to throw the game, right? Oh, I'm having an off day, and I give it up meatball after meatball. Now, going back to your question, the big number here, this scandal spread to nine different teams. Wow. Out of 12 total wow. in the league. So almost the entire league. That's just three teams that was that weren't involved, at least um, that they were aware that, of. That that we know of, right? Like I feel like it has to be. Yeah. So that is a lot of rot. I think the league did the best they could do once they figured out what was going on. They did take action on Nagayasu almost immediately. And I think they kept looking. They kept considering these other charges and people that were suspected of Yakuza involvement, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're on the take, but I I think they were no stone unturned essentially. Right. Right. Nine out of 12 teams. And this all like exploded in between 1969, and 1971. So what happened? Fans did turn away from the game in the aftermath of the black mist scandal. Attendance plunged by more than 10% in both the Pacific League, which is where most of the the scandalous pitchers pitched, and the Central League. A 10% drop from 1970 to 1971, which was the first full season where the scope of the scandal was obvious. This is overall attendance. It's not just limited to the teams with the most corruption, like the Lions. In those days, Pacific League attendance was roughly 6,500 fans per game. So you can oh, imagine wow. like losing several hundred fans, like pretty tenuous grip on being able to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So anything cutting into ticket sales could have had fatal effect on the league. 
Attendance did start climbing by 1973, but it really looked like a cardiac chart in until the late 80s in the Pacific League. The Pacific League was already considered sort of a the junior circuit of the, mm-hmm. the two leagues, so that certainly didn't help, but it did affect the game overall. I want to thank the Atena blog for the attendance history of, of Nippon professional baseball, by the way. And just so you know, uh, nowadays... Average attendance is 20,000 fans per game. So the the game has restored its integrity, but also way more exciting these days. Can I circle back to something? I sure. think I think I know you're going to let me do this one. Joe Pepitone. <laughs> I, I encourage you to go to our exchange students episode from season one if you want to hear the whole Joe Pepitone story. But, you know, this guy was a jerk. He was a scandalous sort of fella. It's true. Well, not as talented as Ty Cobb, but certainly uh, not as, uh, just as cuddly. With all the charisma. And all the charisma, for sure. Grab yourself a nice little Yakult beverage. and <laughs> That's right. And keep one eye on the bathroom. That's right. So Joe Pepitone came to Japanese baseball in 1973. And I feel like I was not aware of this scandal until we started working on this episode. The Yakult Adams obviously saw Pepitone as a cad and a bounder at worst when they brought him on board. But knowing what they had just seen with like literal star pitchers cheating, it probably, it made them overlook Joe Pepitone being quite the, uh, you know, the wacky, unpredictable guy gene that he was. Mm-hmm. Now the lions were rocked hardest by the scandal and they continued to be the hit the hardest overall as well. When the scandal broke, they were owned by the Nishi Nippon Railroad, who wanted to distance themselves from everything to do with the scandal. And so their creative solution was to set up a shell corporation to make it appear that they no longer owned <laughs> the mistiest of the black mist. I mean, legit. Of course, that's that's where you go. You want to be as legit as possible. Right. But I think more significantly, they did switch sponsors repeatedly. And just a reminder, in Japanese baseball, the sponsor's name does appear everywhere. So like the Nippon Ham Fighters, they're the fighters. They just happen to be sponsored by Nippon Ham. Obviously, Give it time. MLB will get there. We'll we'll get there at some point. Oh, I feel like, yeah, it's imminent. I mean, I mean, with those, those patches, the, those the, the concrete patches, patches. and yeah. patches. Yeah. So this switch had a huge impact on revenue. The team even moved from Fukuoka, which was a pretty distant uh, outpost in Japan. They moved to Saitama near Tokyo at the end of the 70s. That left Fukuoka and the entire region without a team for 10 years until the Hawks moved there in 1989. Oh, and the Lions sucked. They struggled to stay out of last place for more than 10 years. So it truly took a generational reset to transform into a powerhouse for much of the 80s. And honestly, still today, the Lions are now considered a top team. Uh, the Toei Flyers also neared collapse post-scandal. Toei, does that name sound familiar to you at all? Toei, it does sound vaguely familiar. Why? What if I said Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Toei is the B-movie studio that owned the Flyers during the Black Mist scandal. 
Uh-huh. They uh, and of course they wanted out as well. By the way, I love doing research for this because I can I mention some of Toei's top films during well, the, the, the scandal period. A two-parter, Kamikaze Cop, and the sequel, Kamikaze Cop Marijuana Syndicate. Okay, that's 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 a winner. <laughs> I we have to figure out how to watch these. Um, we also, really do. I think you might also enjoy the female convict scorpion series as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm in. We'll do yeah. a movie night. Let's let's do it. So yeah, we're not going to watch John Goodman anymore. We'll we'll just go straight to the marijuana syndicate with the Kamikaze Cop. So Toei, in a partnership with Tokyo, which is another railroad company, you know, again, like it seems like it's only the barons of industry that own Japanese baseball teams. Mm-hmm. They were in partnership since 1954, but they felt like the end was nigh, not just for the team, but probably the Pacific League. So they sold the Flyers to a company called Nitaku Home in 1973, which obviously went well because the team was sold again nine months later. Wow. Actually, no, there would be three ownership groups in 1973. Uh, The final and permanent owner would be uh, Nippon Ham, who I mentioned earlier. So they changed their name to the Fighters. The Fighters fought the Lions for last place for five years, but they dug out of their self-created hole a little bit faster. So that is the Blackness Scandal. Wow. Nice job, Mark. Nice job with the names. Thank you. That's a 150-day streak on Duolingo that got me my phonetic pronunciation a a little bit sharper. And now I can't speak English so good. You know, I was kind of wondering, thinking about all these scandals, though, Jackie, like, what does this mean for American baseball? Obviously, the Black Sox were more than 100 years ago. Personally, I feel like we've got the ingredients for another scandal just kind of sitting on the countertop right now. There's so much legal sports betting going on mm-hmm. now that I feel the slippery slope has just been installed on the playground. I'm wondering at what point someone is going to say it's going to be worth your while. Hop into the sports book that they're installing outside of Wrigley Field right now on the way into the game. Go see what the lines are and see if there's anything you can do about it. I think you're right. Like once you start adding in betting, making it easy for people to bet. It's only a matter of time. There's always going to be someone or a group of people who are like, it's got to be a way for us to make even more money off of this. So yeah, you're probably right. I probably within the next decade, we'll see something as this gets bigger and bigger. I think the lure of gambling is just, is, has been so strong and it's, we've seen it in American baseball. I'm not super shocked to learn that it also affected Japanese baseball. It, it is definitely something to watch out for. And I am also convinced more than ever that the commissioner's office, who's profiting greatly from all of this direct involvement, is going to be pretty lenient against people that are cheating. Well, I mean, think of like the whole Houston Astros scandal, which now Manford is saying he should. Well, we should, I should have done more. Like, no kidding, dude. They, they, they cheated their way to a World Series title. I mean, we can say what we want. They were caught. What if betting had been involved there? Like, would, would, would they have gotten more than a slap on the wrist or barely a slap on the wrist? You know, like what would have happened then? I think when you start involving money and where you're fixing the outcome some way, then it becomes an even bigger deal. Yeah, because it's not just your little insular baseball community now. Now it's, you know, you're talking about the money people. 
I enjoy gambling personally. I enjoy betting on the game. And of course, as a podcast co-host, I have no juice in the league to make anything happen. Uh, I have one bet that's currently active. I have the Orioles winning the World Series. Sorry, this is an awkward way to break it to you that the Yankees aren't going to win this year, Jackie. But... I mean, you, you, an awkward way to break it to me. I could have told you that at the start of the season, but that's that's a different podcast and yes. my, my feelings of the construction of the Yankees roster. But, um, but, but me it's betting, not a bad bet. Yeah, me betting bet. $20 to make $600 on the Orioles winning the World Series. Listen, if I didn't have the bet, I would be just as excited to watch watch the Orioles who have just sucked it up for so long. I love it when the scrappy kids come back and and make something happen. I didn't need that bet to enjoy the game, nor do I feel like I then need to go out and literally bet on every game or, or every like pitching matchup or things like that. But also I can't influence the outcome. I guess we can trash talk different players on this game, which, you know, that spite fix still is, something I would like to consider doing somehow, but we're not on any locker room walls right now. No, we are not sadly on any locker room walls. I am not, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a betting person. I've, it does gambling does not interest me. I not when I blow money, I'd like to get something in return, like a nice pair of shoes. I see the allure of like, Every now and then, like like what you do with like, hey, I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm going to do some ridiculous bet for the World Series and see what happens. Or I'm going to bet like, you know, the people who like the touchback for the Super Bowl, that kind of thing. Like, I get that. What I don't like is that there are people who have very real addictions and it's, it's like any other addiction and it it can ruin people's lives. And this is just, and when you start to have more and more of it around, it becomes less fun and it creates problems for people. So that's why one of the reasons I, I think it, it takes, it's an element I don't particularly enjoy, but that's just me on my sandbox. Yeah. Those are different viewpoints coming from both of us, but we both agree that it's a slippery slope to the next scandal. Yeah. Um, whether you're not keen on it, whether I am personally, I have a little bit of fun now and then with it. It's like, I don't want to see players bet. I don't want to see managers bet. I don't want to waste my time watching a game that someone else has already decided in advance, that's not sport. It'd be like watching AI play baseball. Right. And I mean, at some point we may be, you know, we're talking about robot umps. We might have robot players and we might have AI at like in, you know, 200 years from now, we're not watching real people. We're watching whatever AI is of that, that uh, period of time. At that point uh, in my iron lung, I will be watching live foosball. We've talked about players, we've talked about coaches, we've talked about Yakuza members that have uh, been banned from the game. Who else can get banned? When we come back, we're going to talk about some folks that might surprise you. We are back, and we are going to talk about some other bands, some bands of the common man and woman. I feel like I should have a song for this, but I don't have a song for this. Let's just go with something like fan bands, fan bands, fan bands, because we're talking about fans that got banned. I'm just going to run through a few and we'll talk about them. And I guess we can we can be judge, jury and uh, I don't know, like social media influencers here. We can pretend we played for the Syracuse adjudicators. Did you know you can get banned for being naked at a baseball game? I would have kind of assumed that, 
You and I were older than dirt, so we remember the 70s and the streakers when we were small children, and that was a big thing. And, you know, it disrupts the game. <laughs> Although this is one of those things, Jackie, that, that, and I'm glad we talked about the defining the, the terms early on mm-hmm. because streakers got ejected in the 70s. Morgana the Kissing Bandit, another callback to a previous episode from season one, which was great when Jackie talked about the busty baseball busser. Did I get my alliteration? uh, You did. Very nice. Nicely done. Nicely done. Morgana got ejected from games, but she didn't get banned from ballparks. In 2019, Julia Rose and Lauren Summer flashed Garrett Cole, who was pitching for the Astros during game five of the World Series. They pulled up their tops, showed off their breasts, and got ejected from the game. That's not surprising. On social media, they said that they were doing this for breast cancer awareness. I don't know how that exactly would have impacted because the the screenshot that I saw was essentially two women in the distance holding their tops up. I was not aware of any charity that was involved. You, you weren't like, that's not where your eyes went. Okay. Did yeah. Yeah, Stand I'm, up for cancer. <laughs> I, I know I know their eyes were up here. They got kicked out of the game. They got kicked out of a World, World Series game. That's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Here's what MLB sent them via registered mail. This is from David Thomas, the vice president of security and ballpark operations for MLB. On October 27th, I'm going to try to do the most grave, do, do that like, voice. scoldy voice. Scoldy voice. You attended World Series Game 5 at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. During the game, you violated the fan code of conduct by exposing yourself during the seventh inning in order to promote a business. You were also part of a scheme in which you induced others to expose themselves to promote the business. I was not aware of this. I wasn't aware where other people You are hereby banned from all Major League Baseball stadiums and facilities indefinitely. It's a lifetime ban until they change their mind. It's a lifetime ban for pulling your top up. Let's talk about gender inequity and whatever, because there's plenty of like dudes yes. that are like always taking their shirts off. And mm-hmm. yeah. I have a major problem with that. I have a major problem with the fact that people get freaked out by women's breasts. It's the anatomy. It's part of the anatomy. Are you offended when you see a woman breastfeeding her her baby? Is that is that offensive? That's okay. But to me, and like if I have a, there are so many men out there, like they take off their shirts, they need a bra, okay? <laughs> so like. The, Lighten up, MLB. They're just boobs. They're yeah. called boobs. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I have a I have a big problem with that. It's like lighten up, and, and I know why. It's if this. Uh, my guess is that if it had been a regular season game, they might have like whatever. But because yeah. it was the World Series, and they're afraid that some ridiculous quote unquote mothers group is going to clutch their pearls because two young girls, two young attractive women. Flash their breasts for like a half a second. Also, you could have cut away. There yes, are you multiple, could have cut away. multiple camera angles, blah, blah, blah. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you the only person that saw it that wasn't watching on TV was Garrett Cole. <laughs> because everybody else was watching the game. Like, And then he threw off his pitching and then it was, it was downhill from there. No. Yeah. In MLB tradition, you make the call. What would you have done in this case? In this case, would I have banned them for life? Absolutely not. Would I have 
maybe like throw them out of the game, probably throw them out of the game because, you know, whatever they're disrupting. But at the end of the day, they are, I mean, I have seen people do worse things and flash in their press, say worse things to people at ball games. For me, no, maybe like, maybe give them a stern talking to like whatever you're trying to do to, to drum up uh, interest in, in your, your, your social, your social media, cause you're influencers, but to ban them for life. I'm sorry. That's, F you patriarchy. <laughs> I would have ejected them personally, yeah. uh, but a ban, a ban for life. I mean, no. especially when we hear of what other people have done that, that like that all all side with the league on some of these, but, but not on this one. No, de- okay. definitely not. Especially when you have players on the field who are absolutely domestic abusers. So it's like, this is your problem right here, MLB, why you're not attracting young fans because you basically have the values of a 1950s businessman. Hey, let's talk about hugs. Jose Angel Alvarado in 2022 rushed the field at Minute Maid Park to take a selfie with Jose Altuve. He was charged with misdemeanor criminal trespass. He did violate the clearly stated terms of entry of pretty much any stadium in America now. But Mr. Alvarado is also banned from all major league stadiums indefinitely. He ran on the field to take a selfie. And again, I think maybe because it was this was in the ALCS. Mm -hmm. So another game with a bigger audience. The stakes are a little higher. I suppose that matters. But a lifetime ban for running on the field. Okay, so this one, I think... I agree with a little bit more because you're you're not supposed to be there, right? That's the first thing. You're not supposed to be on the field. And you're approaching a player. Now, whether or not you're aggressively approaching a player, you're trespassing now. You've you've reached the line of trespassing. You're also approaching a player. That player doesn't know if you're going to be aggressive or not. So I think once you jump onto the field and act a fool, then then I think a ban is is um I think it's justified. And I know we're going to talk about Morgana a bit more. Now, Morgana, like you said, she never got, she got, got banned because she was good publicity, right? She was good publicity because she was kind of had the shtick around her. She, um, she was an attractive buxomy woman. Um, I think also people, there were a little, little different mindset in the seventies, but I do understand now, especially because People like players have gotten attacked. Everyone has a weapon these days. So yeah, I think you, you you can't run onto the field. I would put more teeth in the suspension. I would maybe ban the guy for a year. He got arrested too. I would make sure he paid mm-hmm. the fines. I would make sure he does community service because you want people to learn a lesson too, right? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. basically if, if somebody was banned from all ballparks for a year and had to do a hundred hours of community service or something like that, that's probably a clear enough message, but yeah, I, I agree like entering the field, but we've, how many people have we seen do that uh, over time? And uh, it's often been streakers and things like that, but usually drunken idiots were like, Hey, I'm going to jump over the fence onto the field. That happens a lot too. That's why <laughs> alcohol gives you that courage to do something really dumb. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, fools, what about Batman? Remember Batman from 2012? Mark Harvey donned a cape and Batman underwear and only a cape and Batman underwear and ran on the field at Camden Yards on opening day for the Orioles in 2012. 
I don't remember this at all. This is this one does not. I don't for whatever reason. This this did not. Yeah, he, I, I, I found the photo. He looked like an idiot. You know, honestly, the fact that he was dressed like Batman was probably the only thing that differentiated it from any number of dum-dums that have run on the field. Mm-hmm. He received a lifetime ban from Camden Yards. Now, he did not approach any players. Uh-huh. This is where the you make the call gets tricky. I hear what you're saying about the Altuve situation because he did go up and, you know, I think you're pretty darn close to a player when you're taking a selfie with them. I don't know if he... Right you know, how handsy he got with him or, or what have you. This dum-dum was just running on the field. So does that merit a lifetime ban? And that's Camden Yards only. That's not all MLB stadiums. The Flashers and the Hugger uh, both oh, got okay. lifetime lifetime bans from all stadiums. You know, I don't have a problem with this, like being banned from, from Camden Yards, because, I mean... I think it's it's silly. Again, it's trespassing. So, and it's it's private property once you get on that field. So, I don't I don't have a problem with that. That's, you know, it's a different story. All right, one last one. I think this one's a little bit easier. 2021, a Yankees fan threw a baseball at Alex Verdugo, a Red Sox outfielder. I actually did not see if it hit Verdugo or not, but that was clearly I don't think it did. There was clearly malice, mm-hmm. right? There was clearly an intent to uh, at least like hit the guy, probably to injure him. Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, called for the fan to be thrown in jail. That did not happen, but Major League Baseball did issue a lifetime ban for this individual as well. How do you feel about that one? I mean, it's assault. You shouldn't be throwing yeah. things at people. If I, if so, Mark, if you're walking down the street and I decide to throw a baseball at your head, I mean, that's assault. You you can have me arrested. You can sue me. You, you shouldn't be throwing things at 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 players on the field ever. Just never ever. I know that sometimes uh, like fans get ejected when they throw the ball back onto a field after a home run. Usually now I, you see people tend to be more careful. What make sure it's like not going to hit any of the players. But I know that sometimes you can get thrown out for that. And I get that because you don't want you want you don't want anyone to get hurt. But no, absolutely you should not be throwing anything at a player. I know back in the '90s, like when those heated Yankees. Red Sox games. I know Paul O'Neill would talk about like fans throwing beer at him as he stood in the outfield at Fenway. No, you're not. You shouldn't be throwing things at the at the players. Absolutely, that's not only that. You, I think you should be arrested because that's assault. Well, first of all, I want to go back. If if I was walking down the street and you threw a baseball at, at me, like you were <laughs> suggesting. I obviously, my first reaction would be not again. <laughs> well, yes, obviously. But yeah, this one's pretty cut and dried. You do yeah. not, not to be like too legalistic about this, but at the bare minimum, you're interfering with the play of the game, mm-hmm. if nothing else. But yes, it is assault. And I'm with Aaron Boone on this one, which is unusual for me. But yeah, that, that <laughs> guy should well. <laughs> that guy should have been thrown in jail because uh, getting hit with a ball coming. I don't know how high up he was sitting, but right, like gravity sure makes those balls like a lot more deadly as they're coming down. But even if it just grazed the guy, mm-hmm. it's, it's still assault. Doesn't doesn't matter if it injured him or came close to injuring him. It is it is assault. So I'm down with the lifetime ban, but I also feel like uh, not enough was done in this case because he should have been arrested. Well, that was a joyful note to end on. But yeah, yeah that's just, a happy note. Happy note. Yeah, we you know it started with nudity and it ended with uh, violent crime. We probably should have ended on the nudity. Yeah. (laughs) 
Everyone's favorite. Jackie, just a couple quick notes as we're wrapping up our epic episode about bands and suspensions and everything else. Who would you like to see banned from baseball or what actions or what things do you want to see out of the game? The one that I want to see, and I think you and I are aligned on this, and this happens happens a lot. So, And there are some players on my team or have been on my team who who um, were definitely offenders. And, and I'm talking about domestic abusers. And they, I understand that people... Um, you know, can be rehabilitated and um, can change their ways. But I really think that there's too much of this in, in sports in general and that a lot more needs to be done and it needs to be taken seriously. If you're at an event and I'm using a real life, I'm using a real life example here. If you're at an event with your teammates for a charity and you turn around and you scream and hit your girlfriend or your wife, First of all, you're rep- not only you're representing the team as well. It is not behavior that should be tolerated. There should be zero tolerance for domestic violence. Zero tolerance, and then you you should be banned. I get it. We want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to give them a chance to be rehabilitated. But maybe you start with a suspension, and then you go from there. But honestly, I think there were some guys that probably should have been banned, and not just in baseball. This is across the board. And. Yeah. In, in sports in general that we see this. I agree. I've actually tried to petition people that have run my fantasy league to to give me the option to ban domestic abusers from being available. Ah. The responses that I got from the league platforms did say, that's a great idea. I wish we could do that. That is something we, we can't do at this point because that's almost game fixing in a way. It's like, because you could say, oh, I don't like this guy either. Let's take him off, like, off the board. I cannot stand watching a guy that I I know has has beat up his wife or his girlfriend or his date. I hate seeing those people representing the game that I love. I do want to give them the benefit of rehabilitation, but you're never going to have an easy go of it in the public eye, right? Right. The league needs to to suspend people like that. The team needs to take action and maybe put a self-suspension in. The Dodgers did that with a notorious player who is now pitching in Japan. I think the Dodgers did the right thing. I feel like the league wasn't as swift to step up, although they finally did come in as well. So I would like to see heavier suspensions, and then I would like to see a pretty short leash. If there's repeated violence, I want to see that person banned. You can ban them for a lifetime as well. Agreed. Because I, you know, want to end on dumb stuff and not just uh, end on a heavy note. Also, I'd like to see the Marlins man banned for life. Oh my god, can we do that? I'm tired of seeing him in his orange jersey behind every every big. Was he at the London series? I bet you he was at the London oh, I, series. I bet he probably was because I think he's got a <laughs> private jet. So he does. He does. Yeah, I would like him. I would like to see him banned as well. I'd like to see Spike Lee banned too, just from baseball. He can continue to go to the other sports. I don't watch as much. I don't watch basketball. So just just from because of his ridiculous outfits. And also because this is a man who he's, you know, he's a big Knicks fan. He's a big New York New York sports fan. But he's like also at the Mets and Yankees game in gear. Pick one, dude. Sorry. <laughs> you are fair. Do, if nothing do else, the because... right thing, Spike. Do the right thing. <laughs> I know you criticize me for liking more than one team, but I've never uh, I've never done the same city uh, at the same time. 
Yeah. Let's just go ahead and throw in anybody promoting a product or a movie. Yes. The, I, yeah. I know we'll never see the smile people behind home plate again, but oh my God, that stupid smile movie and like all those creep shows that were like sitting right behind the catcher with the creepy smiles. So let's do something about that too. And can we also ban while we're at it? Remember like all, all the times Fox would be showing the world series and like, Oh, here's the cast from, you know, that 70s show. They don't like baseball. They don't even know what teams are playing, but here they are behind home plate. Let's yes. ban. Here's a bunch of attractive young people that don't, clearly don't want to be here. Yeah. Banned. It Product placement in general. Let's just, let's put an indefinite ban on that. I like that. Well, that feels like the end of the show to me. The fans are heading home. The grounds crew is on the field. And we will see you next time at the ballpark. That's our pal Ron Lewis on the stadium organ. I'm Jackie Micucci. And I'm Mark Butler. And this was Bad Hops. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this podcast without the express written consent of Bad Hops is prohibited. Unless you like us, review us, or subscribe to Bad Hops. Find us at, at Bad Hops Podcast on Insta and everywhere else. Jackie, you're banned. I knew it. Say it ain't so. Thank you.